You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. All right. And uh, we want to live that kind of life as God's people. We want to we be a church that embraces life that way, all right? And so I want us to start right there, but I want to take you very quickly from there to a, a, a passage that probably isn't well read. It's on the front of your bulletin, actually, uh, taken from, from King David in Psalm 56, verse 13. It says, For you, meaning God, you have delivered me from death, my feet from stumbling. And this is the part I really love. That I may walk before God in the light of life. That I may walk before God in the light of life. And I want to challenge you and I that we understand that that is a part of our purpose, to walk in the light of life. To, to walk in such a way that, that it, is, it is life. And I believe this life uh, abundant or this life full that is, that is directing us. I remember when I was little, walking right, right in front of my dad, and, and we were walking in the woods in South Georgia, and when it's very dark, and the trees are big, and the moss and all that covers up the moon and the stars, and so it's very, very dark, and, and, and it's kind of scary, and I always like to stay right there close to him, um, and, and he would shine this big flashlight he had. It was, it was long. It was this really long flashlight. And he would shine it. And I could like see the, the end of the flashlight. It was like right over my head. And, and it would be shining. So this light was shining a pathway for me to go. And so the, the key was that I just walk where the light shines. All right? I just, I just go where the light, light is showing me where to go. All right? And, and, and I knew that it was my dad that had that flashlight. So he wasn't going to mess with me. He wasn't going to take me down the wrong path. So I was walking in his light that he was providing for me. And David says, you know, you delivered me from death. You, you kept my feet from stumbling. You, you've got some purpose for me. And I'm understanding that that is that I may walk with you, God. And as I walk with you, I walk in the light of life. I, I live out of this idea of life, out of this idea of, of newness. Not out of death, not out of bondage, not out of hurt, not out of pain, not out of all these other things that, that life can put on me and try to get me to move in. But I, I live and I move out of life. And that life source is the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about that idea this morning of living out of the, the light of life. And I want to do that in a particular vein, okay? And so what I want to do is I want to take you to Matthew chapter 25. I want to look at one of the, the, the parables there. Matthew chapter 25, it's the parable of, of the, the bags of gold. It would be the heading in some of your Bibles. Um, some of them might, might say something about talents. Uh, but let's, let's go to verse 14 and let's begin reading. I'd like to read the whole parable to you uh, this morning. Um, and, and then we'll look at it, okay? Again, talking about the kingdom of God. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability, and then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with the two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. 
After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come, share your master's happiness. The man who had two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold, and see, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I find this to be one of the most challenging passages of Scripture for me. And I really want to, to tag it on to where we've been going in this sermon series that we've been in here lately. And I, I want to challenge us based on the, the prior messages, in particular the message of the prodigal and the older brother. And then the message to go. And, and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I read this and I get convicted. I read this, I get overwhelmed. I read this, I, I, I want to run sometimes because it's so challenging to me. And so I'd like to break it down just a little bit and, and, and talk about it here and really challenge us for the next few minutes. And the idea that I want to challenge you with is this, is that with much given to us. Much is required from us. And in the abundance of life, there is a mandate of responsibility. This parable focuses primarily on the useless servant. And, and the idea that comes across here is that of something like this, gifts that are not used or lost. I, I, I remember when I was growing up, I wanted to be an artist. I went to art school. Um, I intended to be a graphic designer. There came a point when I felt like that, that, that I needed to lay that down. Um, I, I, I didn't necessarily hear God say that, but there was so much going on in my life, and I got married, and we had kids, and, and, and life got full, and so that was something I laid down. There was a time when I felt really honed in that skill. I, I, I felt like I, I was a, a fairly decent artist. Um, I had ambitions. I had dreams about that, what I would do with that. Um, and, and then as time went by and as the years progressed and I didn't do anything with it, I lost that edge. 
I lost that, that sort of that creative edge. I didn't lose my creativity, but I lost my creative edge for uh, painting and, and for drawing. Um, and, and there's a part of me that longs for that back, you know, to redevelop that. Um, but, but sometimes when we don't use what we've been given, uh, whether that's a, a creative gift or, or something else, uh, we lose it. We, it diminishes in our lives. And so there's an element of this in this particular uh, parable. The title of, of talents here I think is a bit unfortunate in that in our language we use the word talent to refer to natural aptitudes and natural abilities, all right? And the talent in this story was likely a weight, not a, a, a talent or, or an ability as, as we know it. And its value probably depended on whether the object weighed was copper or silver or gold or, or whatever. Now, some writers will tell you if, you, if you study this through, that, that this talent here that is spoken of in this particular parable is worth about 20 years of a day laborer's wages. Okay? So, so there's a lot that is being given here. All right? What's being given isn't a small token. It isn't, it isn't some kind of pocket change uh, being given for a little test. It's, it, it's really a lifetime, and in essence, it's a life. I mean, when you think about that, if, if, if one talent... Is, could be the equivalent of 20 years of a day laborer's wage. What is being entrusted to this, this man, uh, giving him five talents, is giving him uh, a whole lifetime of resources. It's being put into his hands at this particular moment. And, and, and if I came to you and I gave you that much, the potential would be astronomical in the right environment. And you maybe could do tremendous things with that if you understood the potential that you had behind you. And so, so it is with these children who stood up here, these, these wonderful little girls who are up here today. There is so much potential in them. They're, these parents brought so much today. They brought life. They brought a life. And they are resting that life in the care of God and believing that God will be faithful to them as parents and faithful to you as a church. And that out of that faithfulness, we will respond to God and see the potential that is in these little children and begin to raise them up in God. Raise them up in truth and understanding and revelation of God in such a way that their lives will be impacting and dynamic and they'll make a, a, an impact on the world. I am fully convinced that God did not create you and me to sit in this room. He created us to make a difference, to have an impact, to be a, an influence. And every one of you has a sphere of influence, some place where your voice is heard, some place where you get to speak into life. In the story, talents were given. They were given to several men here according to their abilities. And it would be best, I think, to interpret these talents as opportunities here. Every man is given an opportunity. I believe that every believer is given an opportunity. Every Christian is given opportunity. Things are entrusted to you. Talents and abilities and resources, opportunities are laid out for you as a believer, all right? And I believe that... that that it is expected that these men are going to serve faithfully. This is a parable of responsibility. 
and of accountability. It, it's nothing short of that. And I, I want to challenge you and I that we look at this. Not, you know, some people, they have a lot. And if it's suddenly taken away from them, they see that as like some kind of revenge. And, and we, can, we can almost kind of feel that way about this third man. But the master calls him wicked and identifies him as lazy. Not because the master is evil. Not even because he's mad. I don't think this master is mad. He's holding this man accountable. I trusted you. I entrusted to you a talent. I gave you possibilities. I gave you opportunities. And for whatever reason, you didn't take advantage of that. And so what you, what you were given is going to be taken away from you. Now, this is a parable likening to the kingdom of God. I have a brother, his name is Ricky, he lives in South Georgia. Ricky was a great guy growing up, but he got involved in alcohol and, and drugs and, and, and messed his life up a, a bit. He ended up having a terrible car accident and he was paralyzed from the neck down. He is 15 months younger than I am. He was carried into a church in a body brace. Someone prayed for him and God did a miraculous thing and healed him. He was able to walk away from that place. Just take, take the braces off and, and walk. I wasn't there to see it. It still baffles me. But God got a hold of his life. God got his attention and God did something amazing. My brother had an astute ability to acquire money. He became a businessman before he was 17 years of age. He has furniture stores. He made a lot of money. He entrusted a great deal of responsibility to another individual. And that individual basically stole from him the equivalent of over $100,000 at one point. Uh, bankrupt one of his businesses, which in turn had a domino effect. My brother that at one time was very wealthy and living in a beautiful home with a swimming pool in the backyard was facing um, some dire situations. He has himself with his wife recovered from a lot of that. The last time I went down to visit with him, I sat in one of his stores with him. And I said, yeah, he looks so old. And he looks so sickly. And he's younger than I am. And I said, Rick, how, you, how are you really doing? And he looked at me and he said, you know, I fight a battle every day of my life. He's a believer. He loves God. And he said, the battle is this. I fight the desire to be vengeful every day of my life. I have to fight it down. I have to beat it down. He said, it is so hard not to want to hurt this person or at least to see them hurt in some way. He goes, it's just one person. It's just one woman. 
who's twice my brother's age, almost. Or was uh, at, at the time. And I said, I said Ricky, she's, she's gone. She's, she's, she's passed away now. And he said, not in my heart. She's still alive. He says, I want her to hurt. I want her children to hurt. And he said, I have to fight that every day of my life. It's a horrible place to find yourself. But that is not, that is not what's going on here. This is not a place of, of vengeance or revenge here. But this is a place of accountability. This is a place where you and I need to come and learn something about God. This is where we, we need to begin to understand the magnitude of God and the breadth of God and how God deals with us as his people. In Jesus' story, the issue is not revenge, but it is accountability. The gift and the responsibility were commensurate. The men who had received five and two talents respectively, they took some risk. They applied themselves actively in their responsibility. All right? But the unfaithful servant, the third man, thought only of himself and his security, risked nothing and achieved nothing. And this is where I want to bring us. I want to challenge you and I because on the master's return, there is an accounting from each. And when you see Jesus face to face, when you stand before God, there will be an accounting. You are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are eternally secure in that respect. But there will be a, an accounting of your life before God. There will be an accounting of my life before God. And I want to challenge you and I that we are not living as the third man. That we are not living out of that place of being paralyzed by fear or, or, or by, by misunderstanding or, or by woundedness or by whatever. The two servants represented faithful disciples and they had transformed privilege into action. It is a privilege to be saved by God. It is a gift. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. You can't buy it or barter or trade it out. It doesn't happen that way. There aren't enough talents to buy salvation. It's so free. It is the, ex the ultimate expression of God's love and gift. But with that privilege comes responsibility. And I'm very fearful that the American church in particular, but, but around the world even, that there is this sense of, that there's a loss of this understanding and this sense of responsibility that we have as God's people. To, to be entrusted with this kind of privilege, mandate, it demands, it shouts to us that we must do something. You, you can't just come to church and sit here and go home and do nothing. You, you can't be that kind of person and follow after God. The response of the master carries this, 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 this note here of, of, of this. It's kind of like a, and, and, and um, what, what's the word? You know, it's, it sort of takes you to that place of when Jesus does come again and, and he, he is, is, is holding you accountable and he, 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 your life is kind of laid out before you. You know, it's kind of like a... a, a eschatological joy, you know. It's, it's kind of like this thing of, okay, okay, Jesus is here, and, and I'm before him, and he looks at me, and he looks at my life, and, and he looks back at me, and he goes, oh, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and, come and enter my joy. And I know, we all want to hear that. We all, we all want to, 
to know that that's the message that is coming to us. And I want to challenge us that, that we live out that, that belief, that, that idea that God is going to find us faithful. But that is going to require some sense of responsibility on our part. That is going to require some action and, and reaction to the things that are going on around us. Because as, as soon as the unfaithful servant opens his mouth, it is evident that he was not interested in the Lord's cause, nor in the, in the Lord's advantage, but rather saving his own skin. I know you're a, a mean guy. I, I know you judge. I, I know that, that you do things. Uh, that, and, 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 and so I just, I just, I buried it. But here it is. You get back, everything you gave me, I'm giving it right back to you. I didn't take a thing. And he didn't do anything either. Is that how we hold salvation? Is that how we embrace the salvation of God? If it is, we've got a wrong view of the Father. And we've got a wrong interpretation of His heart for the lost. And I want to challenge you and I as we go. We took the mandate last week to go. And, but the key is that we have got to get away from being the, the older brother. We can't stay over here and look out there and say, what's it going to cost me? We've got to understand that we have a responsibility. We have been given privilege. Much has been entrusted to us. Did you understand that from that message that Pastor Dave preached to you? That, that, is, that is the crux. That grabbed me so hard. That, that shook me to my core. God, I have been given privilege. I have been given much. What am I doing with what you have given to me? Am I only looking at what I can get? Am I only looking at what it's going to cost me? Am I only looking out for myself? And so I stay in the house. I stay inside and I don't fulfill my responsibility to go out and search for the one that is lost. And I challenge you and I that we live out of this place of privilege, but also that we live out of the responsibility that it mandates for us. Are you willing? Are you willing to put yourself in a position to suffer for the cause of the gospel? Are you willing to lay down some of the things that you possess and have and own and treasure? Are you willing to get into some uncomfortable places? Pastor Dave said something to you in, in, in his message, and I agree with it completely, but I, I agree with it in a more profound way maybe than even what he said it, uh, because I, I believe it was a bit of a prophetic message to us, and that is that it could get messy in life, church. It could get messy. When, when people are coming in and they don't know God and, and they have issues and struggles in their life, it can get messy. But let me, let me help you to understand something. One who, I, I got this quote a long time ago. I, I don't even know the person's name that, that, that I got it from. But one who cannot venture his own person cannot take risk for the sake of his Lord. If you're not willing to risk yourself a little bit, if you're not willing to put yourself out there a little bit, you will never fulfill what God intends for you to, to, to experience in the kingdom. We, we've got to, to lay down some of ourselves. This man was judged according to his conduct. What was given was taken away. Matthew 16, 25. For whosoever shall save his life, going to lose it. 
I'm going to tell you something. You hold on to this world, you'll lose it. One way or another, it'll, it'll, it'll get ripped out of your hands. Now, I want to challenge you and I today that we understand that we've been given great privilege. It is a privilege to have this building. It is a privilege to be in this neighborhood. It is a privilege to live in this city. It is a privilege to worship with one another. It is a privilege to know God. It is a privilege to be saved. It is a privilege to have children. We have this responsibility. It's, it's really a lot easier for me to stand here and say, this is beautiful, these children, these babies, these little girls. It's, it's, it's ideal. It's romantic. It's lovely. It's emotional. It's, this is a great day in life, church. We have a responsibility now to raise them up. We'll do that together. We got you guys. We got your backs, all right? We're going to do this thing together. It's great. But what happens when that one comes in and says, I've never been born again. What must I do? And we lead them to Jesus. Do you just put them on a table and let them abort at that moment? Heaven forbid. We have a same equal responsibility to raise them and care for them and love them and bless them and train them up as believers. Go and make disciples. As you are going, make disciples. As you are going, baptize. As you are going, instruct and teach. Our responsibility is not just to go, but it is to be willing to lay down ourselves. Get out of that mindset of being like an older brother who has some rights, if you will and can actually choose for himself. Here's the amazing thing. We talked about these little girls not having choices yet. They got the parents that God sovereignly gave to them. They got the church that God sovereignly gave to them. That person who walks in off the street out there who doesn't know Jesus but finds him right here Life Church, and they knew that, oh, Life Church will take care of me, so I decided I'm going to get saved, and I'm going to go in there, because it'll be really sweet in there, because all of those people are fun. They have fun. I mean, it's Life Church. Come on. It's got to be great. I'll just go in there and get saved today. This is going to be sweet. No, they come in here, and honestly, Some of them are living right on the edge of life. Some of them are right there where death encroaches. Some of them are so bound they have no hope for tomorrow. Some of them are so hungry their guts ache on the inside. Some of them are so afraid they, have, they, they are risking everything just to walk in the door. And some of them look like they have everything in life together and they have nothing. And some of them are just hurting and longing. Some of them have been beaten. Some of them have been, been put out. I, I, I'm not trying to overwhelm you. I'm not trying to condemn you. I, 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 we're in this together, folks. 
But this is where it's coming to. This, this is it, it's starting. It's starting to sort of like the line is is, is getting marked in the same. You know, the line of demarcation is coming. We, we, we've been we've been talking about identity for how long, and 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 now we've been doing this this thing of encountering God here in this season of of resurrection and living out resurrection until Jesus comes. But fully understanding that that is going to take us down the road of evangelism. We are going to be a church that evangelizes. We're going to be a church that goes forward. Let me tell you something. When this story closed here, the language was destruction. So let me ask you a couple of questions as we close. What about you? We often make reference to our personal stories here, and we talk about you having a story and writing a story, and we challenge you to live out an epic life and have this epic story. How's that story going to go for you? How's your story going to end? The third man, his ended awful. Thinking about himself, afraid, paralyzed. What about Life Church? Will we live out an epic story? Will we live at epic proportions? How will the story close for Life Church when Jesus returns? David said that we may walk before God in the light of life. That is a challenge for you and I. Let me, let me close. I, I'll try not to take very long here. I want to be done now, actually. But, you know, a little while back, my family went through a very difficult time. I've never felt so much like, I've never felt so much alone in my life as I did a number of months ago. And I've never felt so much like the enemy wanted to just take me out, you know. It's like I just felt that, you know. But my son came to me, my 22-year-old son, 21-year-old son at the time, my son came to me and, and he called me and he said, can you meet me? And, and we met and he came and got in my car and he sat down in the front seat of my car and he said, I have something to tell you. And I said, let me tell you. Your girlfriend's pregnant. He said, how do you know? I said, because I pray. That's how I know. And he said, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, we choose life. That's what we do. We choose life. The ensuing days and weeks and months were very difficult for our family. I had people come and tell me that I should resign my position in this church, that I was no longer qualified to be a pastor. They didn't have to come and tell me that because I had already disqualified myself in some measure. The devil will use anything he can to try to cause you to stop. There were some things I held on to. One was that I loved God and I knew God loved me. Another thing I held on to was that I loved my son. And I asked God to help me to love his wife more than I ever had. And I knew that I would love this child that would be born. 
I cried many nights over this. I fretted about what people would think in and out of the church. I had stood in the church, see, only weeks before, well, months before, actually, I guess it was, a number of weeks before. And I had made a statement about the impending elections and abortion issues and those kinds of things. And I said, you know, for me, I'm all, I'm all for voting against abortion. I believe that we need to, to vote. That's important. But there's something bigger for me. I would hope that Life Church would never settle for legislating morality. Let's go deeper. Could we win the little mommies and daddies to Jesus? Could we get them before they get pregnant? Can we walk along beside these sons and daughters? And that's what I want Life Church to be able to do. And I said, no matter, no matter what happens, I would pray that as Life Church, no matter who walks through that door, and they walk in here and they say, I'm pregnant and I have nowhere to go, that Life Church will not turn them away, that we will love them and we will care for them and we will bless them. And little did I know saying that, that that would happen in my own home only weeks later. And little did I know the battle I would fight to stay strong and to believe that I was indeed called of God to preach His gospel. I fought that battle and the devil lost. And in a few days, I'll fly out to celebrate the first birthday of my grandson, and I will buy him the loudest present I can possibly find <laughs> to get even with my son. I have a son that made a terrible mistake and committed sin. But that is a son who has potential. Because I spent years imparting to him the truths of God's Word. Pastor Daniel and Pastor David spent years imparting God's Word into him. I gave him a Christian education. There is something down inside of him, and, and there will come a moment in time, I believe by faith, that God will call that up in my son. And my son's son will know God. I will make sure of that. I will not give up potential and I will not bury destiny because I don't serve a God that I'm afraid of I serve a good God who is faithful and who will redeem the mistakes and the circumstances of this life we're going to close with this I don't care what you've been through what you've done where it's happened or what's gone on you have a destiny there is a story that is written for your life and God has written that story he has authored it from the foundation of the world and God wants to use you for his glory his praise and his honor he will take you if you will allow him and if you will let him venture you out and take risk with your life he will use you to reach the lost and to live in the light of life the way that He wants us to. And I challenge you and I that today we become that kind of church. Life church. Let's stand. Let's pray.
Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you just release the power of the Holy Spirit over this church right now. I pray, God, that every heart in this room, including my own, be deeply convicted today. That we not live in the place of regret for the things of the past, but we live in the current, present, now rhema of God's Word. And that you would begin to speak life into every one of us. That we would walk in the light of that life. And that as your light shines upon our path out of obedience, we will take whatever necessary risk are involved to see the lost one, to see this city redeemed, to see this neighborhood restored, and to see this church glorify you. God, we ask you to deliver us out of that mentality of being older brothers and that you cause us to go out with heartfelt desire to reach out and search for the lost of this world. We ask you, God, that you do this, that your kingdom might be enlarged, that your church might grow across the earth, that your people might fulfill their purpose and their calling. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So be it. All right. Amen. Yes. I love you. We love being your pastors. Have a blessed week. Happy Mother's Day, ladies.